0: Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. Well, we've already talked about where we've been in 1 Peter, uh, specifically verses 1 through 12. And here's the interesting thing about verses 1 through 12. We have no jobs to do in verses 1 through 12. Um, There is nothing that we are told that we must be doing, right? Uh, Simply, these first 12 verses that Peter wrote to these churches in modern day Turkey, he was just encouraging them, just reminding them of who they were. In fact, that's what these first 12 verses were, and we're going to see that reinforced tonight. These first 12 verses were Peter saying, look, you are not who you once were, right? You are something brand new. You are something that has been sacrificed for. You are something that is supposed to live differently, and that's exactly where he is taking us tonight. So, if you don't have your Bibles open there, go ahead and turn to chapter 1 of of 1 Peter, starting, and we're going to start in verse 13, where we ended off last week. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, and we spent, oh yeah, are there kids? There's no kids, Nancy. Wow, you're you're on holiday here all of a sudden. Okay, well... We can still pray for Tara. She's at home with our kids, and I know that they're probably giving her a run for her money right now. But onward to 1 Peter, onward to 1 Peter. Um, Last week specifically, no, here's our big idea for this week, rather. I've already talked about our big idea. Let's talk about the big idea for this week before we go any further so that we're not confused. Here's the big idea. Jesus is your Savior, All right, and this is what Peter is saying to all of those that believe in modern-day Turkey, okay? Jesus is your Savior, and he is also your judge, okay? Let's swallow that one, and we'll say this. What you believe determines your behavior, okay? And this is exactly what we're going to see Peter saying tonight. So let's, let's talk about verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, very literally we said this, that Peter was saying, put on your clothes for work. Put on the mental clothes for work that you need because you're about ready to be told to do something now. You know who you are, but now you're going to have to get to work because you know who you are. So prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. Don't let anything cloud your thoughts right including alcohol sure but we're talking about everything we're talking about our work day we're talking about a stressful weekend we're talking about not having enough money don't let these things cloud your thoughts for about for what i'm about to say to you set your hope instead set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ that is to say your hope should be On nothing less, right, than Jesus' blood and righteousness, okay? We know that song. Um, I didn't even know that was going to come out of me just now. That was the only thing that could come to my head. Literally, though, we're not supposed to be putting our faith in anything else. Any of these other things that cloud our mind, don't put your hope in that, okay? Your hope should be planted firmly on the grace that you have been shown and that you will be shown in the future. But let's see what Peter has to say next. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Okay, as obedient children. um, I don't need to show of hands, but who here was an obedient child? Tom, you can put your hand down. Tom! (laughs) No, um, look, 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 we're all obedient children. Most of the time, when we know that our parents know what we're doing, Right? But as soon as your parents don't know what you're doing, you cut your sister's hair or you decide to tear something up that shouldn't be torn up or my Maeve, she's so cute and so devious and what does she like to do? She likes to get all of her favorite DVDs and put them shiny side down and just wipe them on the floor, okay? (laughs) And and she doesn't understand that. She can't watch the movies anymore if she does that, but she keeps doing it, okay? Anyway, all that to say that Here, Peter's telling us to be obedient children. All right, so we have our big idea. Jesus is our Savior, but, and here's the part that is hard to swallow for each and every one of us, he is also our judge, okay? And we're going to see what that means here in just a little bit. But simply to say this, Jesus has authority over us. Also, Jesus has authority to discipline us. Just as a parent has authority and the responsibility to discipline a disobedient child, okay? As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. And now we've said before that this letter was written probably mostly to Gentiles, but there would have been Jews here as well, okay? And so when we talk about our former ignorance, what does this mean? Well, of course, Peter is a Jew, and all the Jews in the room are saying, Gentiles, you guys were so ignorant before. And Peter's saying, Jews and Gentiles, you were both so ignorant before. Uh, You didn't know what was best for you. You didn't know what was good for you. Um, not that he's just simply calling them stupid, right? I might call someone ignorant, and I mean something not very nice, but literally, to be ignorant means that there's just something you don't know yet. Uh, Literally, that before they knew Jesus, they didn't know how to be obedient children. They didn't know how to do what was right, and that they would one day have the ability to do what was right through God the Holy Spirit. And so, As in every letter that we read in the New Testament, we have Jews who, what is their former ignorance? Much like Paul, they were rule keepers, right? And they just knew that if they kept this set of rules, everything would be fine and the world would be in perfect working order for them. And what was the deal with Gentiles? They were lawless people. They didn't even have God's law shown to them yet. And so Peter is saying to them, your former ignorance of being law keepers and being law breakers, no longer. No longer. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Okay. One thing I missed out on here, and I, I want to I just step back for a second and say it like this. Uh, what is this former ignorance? There's another way that that could be translated and that is our ancestral lives. That is the way that the people that came before us used to live, okay? Um, And so for you and I here today, uh, what does that mean? I can't answer, although I would love to take the time and go through and and judge everyone according to our ancestry. I won't do that, okay? Uh, What does that mean for you? And we need to ask that question. And now, The low-hanging fruit here would be, say, well, I don't worship my ancestors. That's not the former ignorance. I'm okay, right? But maybe your former ignorance is uh, being a law keeper, right? Uh, Coming out of Catholicism, maybe, being a law keeper. Uh, Maybe your former ignorance is... um, thinking back in my ancestry, which I try not to do too deeply, uh, we were probably more reliant upon the bottle than we were upon hope and the truth of the gospel, okay? So whatever that former ignorance is for you, that's exactly what Peter is picking on right now. That's exactly what he's picking out. Instead of living like those that came before you lived, You need to live differently, You need, uh, but as he who called you is holy, you need to be holy in all of your conduct, literally everything that you do. And then he continues, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now obviously Peter is quoting something here, he's not saying that I'm holy and you need to be like me, right? He's speaking about God, the one who called them, is holy. Now, we could really go into a lot of depth about what this word holy means. We just sang it a lot. I don't know how many times we just sang it in that song. But simply say this, holiness and what it is that we're talking about is being absolutely separated from anything sinful or evil or broken, okay? And Peter is saying that God has called you to holiness, Uh, He has called you to be totally separated from anything that is sinful and broken, and I forget what the other thing I said was, but that too, okay? You need to be totally separated from that. You need to be set apart. Um, And now, the passage that uh, Peter's quoting here, you shall be holy for I am holy, Uh, We see this all over the book of Leviticus. We also see it quoted in 1 Thessalonians. And um, the first place that we see this said, though, is is in the the book of Exodus. Okay, In Exodus 19.6, And you shall be to me a kingdom kingdom of priests and a holy nation. We need to keep that on tap for a couple weeks from now. Okay? These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Okay, sorry. I actually cut off the verse there. Um, we're not going to take the time to go to it right now. We could move on, though, to uh, Leviticus 11.44. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. Holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming things that crawl on the ground, okay? Speak to all the congregation, uh, Leviticus 19, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And we see it three more times in Leviticus, okay? All this to say that God, God's first people, Israel, he told them, you need to set yourselves apart, okay? Okay? just as I am set apart. Um, and Peter is saying, uh, as he who has called you is holy, he's saying, God has set you apart, right? We know that. How do we know that? If we were to go back, it's all in the language of all the work that God has done in shaping our new identity. The fact that we are handpicked outsiders, right? We are elect exiles, um, And so on, down through verses 2 through 9, about everything that it is that God has done for us. So, verse 15, you have been set aside, okay? (laughs) You have been set aside, and you are to keep being set aside from everything that is defiled and unholy and broken, anything that is not of God, you are to set yourself aside from that. Don't do it. Don't do it. And if, uh, sorry, verse 17 now, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Okay, there's a lot going on in this verse, okay, but let's just start with, and if you call on him as father, right? What are we? We're obedient children, right? We're supposed to be obedient children. And Peter's saying now that if you truly have been saved by the grace that has been offered to you by Jesus, uh, you should be calling on God as father. And you are to be his obedient child. Okay? And if you call on him as father, so if you're confessing that God is your father, that he has set you aside, here we go. Who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Okay. Who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. Time out. Time out, time out, time out. I was under the impression that if I said a prayer once, that I wasn't going to get judged. Right? Right? um hey hey hey, Jesus already saved me I'm not getting judged for anything what is going on here and what about this uh impartiality what about this judging I thought that I was set aside and special and chosen and what's going on what is going on in fact uh I was handpicked how could God's judgment be impartial I mean he chose me All right, Uh, here's the story. I don't know if the story's going to work out, but we'll say it anyway, okay? I went into a pick and pay once. And when Tara and I used to, uh, when we lived in South Africa previously, we used to work out in Franschuk, and one of my jobs was going to the dump every week. And so at the end of every dump day, I just had that smell of wet trash and maggots in my nose. Do you know that smell? Okay? You know the smell, okay? It's disgusting. It's disgusting. But one time I go into a pick and pay and I'd just I just taken all the trash out. So I just, ooh, had that smell in there and I couldn't get it out. But then I go into the pick and pay and I'm picking out some red, some purple onions, right? I'm throwing them in the bag. and I'm just like, oh man, that smell. I can't get it out. And then I look down at my hand and I have maggots all over my hand. <laughs> and I'm like, and I just drop it and I walk away, okay? I just dropped it and walked away. Um, So, when we're talking about being hand-picked here, we need to remember that God isn't walking into the pick and pay and saying, hmm, yes, I like this onion. It's spotless, blameless. I'll take that one. That one's spotless and blameless. I'll take that one. Take that one. No, no, no. Even in our choosing, God has chosen impartially, right? Uh, He's picking up the maggoty onions (laughs) along with the good onions, all right? um, and so when it comes to this now, the fact that we are going to be judged for our deeds impartially, what are we talking about? Uh, look, God knows you. Right? If you have confessed Jesus as your Savior, if you're living a life in accordance with that, you have been set aside by God. You have been handpicked. Um, and yet... Peter tells us here, as does Paul in other places, and as we see later on in the book of Revelation, um, you will be judged according to your deeds. That's horrifying to me. But Peter continues, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. All right, so let's let's just try to take this all in. Uh, God is a father, but he's judging us, and we're supposed to fear him? Oh, but I don't, I don't want to fear my dad. Okay, look, I don't want my kids to fear me either. And yet, uh, I'm not going to have to worry about this with Finnegan, so I'll, I'll use it as an example, okay? Finnegan's going to get good grades because he wants to get good grades, right? But let's just say that that wasn't Finnegan's personality. Let's just say that he's sitting in class and he has a decision to make. I'm not going to do any of my work, or I'm going to get my work done. He has no concept of bettering his, himself. He has no concept of going to university or what it means for his future. He just knows that he doesn't like doing his work right now. Okay, I'm really talking about me. That was me in school. But why did I do work? Because I know that my parents were going to see my marks at the end of the term, right? Okay. So why do we live... Why do we conduct ourselves? Why do we do everything that we do with the fear of the Lord? Look, God is a good father, and he does judge impartially. And you know what? He has saved you. And you know what else? You don't want to disappoint that father. And even right now, as I'm saying that, it sounds like a complete contradiction it sounds like these two things cannot go to, together. The fact that I am totally um, absolved of my sin, uh, that God doesn't see that sin, and the fact that God sees my sinful deeds and that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get judged for it. And yet that's exactly what's happening right now. Okay, now we could go into a lot of other scripture and try to really... Uh, figure out what that means, but we're not going to do that right now. Okay? We're going to keep marching forward in this passage and in this letter, and we're going to see where Peter is taking us. All right? We need to work for the answers. All right. On to verse 18. Knowing that you were ransomed from your futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Okay, so why are we going to conduct ourselves with fear throughout the time of our exile? And just as a reminder, what is our exile? It's this time that we're living right now. Okay, Christian, you have been set aside by God. Uh, Peter emphasized that to us enough. Don't lose sight of that in these verses. Um, And yet, we're going to conduct ourselves in a holy way, in a set-apart way during this time of living our lives here before we are in eternity with God our Father and with Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth. We're going to conduct ourselves with fear. Why? Because we were ransomed. We were bought at a price, and we were saved from our ancestral lives, if you want to say it like that. Uh, Me, literally, I was saved from the debauchery of whatever people I come from. We don't even know what people I come from, okay? Uh, That's how you know there's a lot of debauchery involved there. (laughs) Um, I've been saved from that. You have been purchased, you've been ransomed. And not with anything as uh, temporary as money, or temporary as something beautiful, like silver or like gold. Um, but we have it has been through the precious blood of Christ. Now there's a couple things that we're seeing here that we've seen before. Okay? Uh, I'm going to turn back. If you want to turn back to to the beginning of chapter one, you can. Um, There was something else that was precious. In fact, there was something else that was more precious than gold, even though it's been tested by fire, okay? What was it? Faith, right? It's the genuineness of our faith that God proves to us through our trials, all right? So that same faith that is so precious to us, you know what else is precious? What bought you that faith is precious, and that is the blood of Jesus. Okay? Um, And then Peter just throws in here, like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. Um, And we could go down a path of talking about uh, sacrifices and so on and so forth, uh, we're not going to go there quite yet, okay? Except for to say this. Um, one thing that we see happening in the book of Exodus there, when God's people are called to be holy, and we see it elsewhere throughout the Old Testament, uh, that blood is sprinkled. And not just on an item or during a sacrifice, but it's sprinkled on the people. Literally, as a physical reminder That you have been set aside. A gross physical reminder, but a physical reminder nonetheless. That you have been set apart for holiness. Um, And so, moving forward in this letter, I think we're going to see that that's exactly what Peter is going to be getting at when he's talking about Christ being the lamb without blemish or spot. Also, simply to say that just as we have been called to be without blemish or spot, Jesus was. Jesus is. Moving on to verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you. Okay, lots of stuff ringing a bell here in my mind, all right? And the first of which is, who else was foreknown? You were, right? Right? Back in verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for the sprinkling with his blood. And there's that sprinkling, right? Uh, That sprinkling is a part of this sanctification of the Spirit, this being set aside and continually being made more into the likeness and image of Jesus But that's not the only thing that these verses should remind us of. Uh, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for your sake. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Last week, or two weeks ago now, what did we read about? We read about the prophets. What was up with them? They were preaching a gospel, a good news that they didn't understand yet, and they wanted to understand. Uh, In fact, uh, Peter says that they searched diligently, like they were just tearing apart the house looking for one thing, right? Uh, Except for they weren't allowed to find out what that one thing was in its fullness yet. Uh, And just like the angels didn't get to know what was happening who did get to know the believers that Peter is writing to. So once again, Peter's saying, um, it's been for your sake that that sacrifice has been made known. The fact that Jesus died for you and that God the Father has set you apart. Who through him, are believers in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory. So that your faith and hope are in God. Okay. Uh, it's hard when you don't read those two verses together. It's not us as believers in God who raised him from the dead, right? It's who we're believing in, God, who raised him from the dead. Who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and and hope are in God. And I keep going back to this, but it's just so simple that I have no other thing to relate to it. What is God's glory? We've been teaching this to the kids. His goodness and his greatness, right? Um, And everyone knew that the death that Jesus died was not a glorious death. It was a pitiful death. But because of that death, uh, he was given the glory that he once had right? Um, Just as he was foreknown at the foundation of the world, that is at the literal building of the world. God had in his mind exactly what he was going to do. And he had you and he had me in mind even from that time. So that your faith and your hope are in God. Look, God's goodness and his greatness, and that goodness and that greatness that we see about God uh, through Jesus, uh, that is where all of our faith and our hope is to be, right? And this takes us back to uh, verse 13, set your hope fully on the grace, okay? Um, The grace that has been shown to us here, verses 14 through 21, And the grace that will be shown to us in the future. There's about three quarters of my notes that I left off. Um, That's for your sake and for mine. But let's think about our big idea for a minute, okay? What is our big idea for this week? Jesus is your judge. What has Peter Peter encouraged us to do? To conduct ourselves, to live our lives, every part of our lives, in a holy way. And the good news is that like we tried to do in our former ignorance, uh, just being good people and doing nice things and making sure that we had good relationships and so on and so forth and that no one was mad at us, uh, we don't that's not the way we live anymore. Uh, we don't have to do that now. We get to do that. We get to do that because Jesus died for us. And we should want to do that. Why? Because Jesus is our judge, and He judges impartially. Okay? But He's not just our judge. He is our savior. Um, There are going to be times as we're going throughout this letter now, and uh, even in this conversation about being elect and being set aside, uh, we can guarantee that there were Christians, uh, people that called themselves Christians, sitting in the churches in Turkey, reading this letter, uh, thinking that they were saved that they had been set aside. Um, But their lives were not matching up with that. I'm not here to judge those Christians. They're long gone, right? Um, We would hope that their lives did change and they did start living in fear, uh, in the fear of the Lord and in the hope of his coming again. Um, But for each and every one of us... uh, If we don't have that desire to be setting ourselves apart, just like God already has, we do need to ask ourselves some very hard questions. Do we desire to live lives that are set apart, that are holy? Now, the good news is you don't have to do that by yourself, right? Um, There's some ways that God has uh, provided for us that we don't have to do that by ourselves. The number one way, God the Holy Spirit, working in our hearts, uh, driving us towards those things that God also desires. Uh, Also, God has revealed to us uh, his heart through his word. And so this is why we come together on a Sunday and we worship together, we sing words, uh, we sing truths that we see in scripture, we read the scripture We preach the scripture because this has been given to us, this has been revealed to us, so that we will know who God is and what it is that he expects of us. So Jesus is your judge, but he is also your savior, and what you believe determines your behavior, although we've said this before in a different way during our Daily Doctrine series, your doctrine determines your devotion. Okay, um, Why are we taking the time to go through verse by verse, even though if we were to be honest, uh, I could have preached all of that message from the first nine verses. Why didn't I just do that? And then we wouldn't have had to hear this message again, basically. Okay. <laughs> There's a reason why, okay? Because our doctrine determines our devotion. Uh, Peter is repeating himself, And he's restating and reemphasizing the things that God has given to him so that our doctrine, that is, our set of beliefs, will be changed. And why? Because God has set us apart to live a very specific kind of life. That is a life that is devoted to him. All right, Mountain View. Your doctrine determines your devotion. Jesus is your judge, but we have a very gracious judge, don't we, who is also our Savior. And his judging of our deeds does not set aside the fact that everything that Jesus did on the cross for us was effective for making us his children, okay? Next week, we're going to be going through verses 22, maybe into chapter 2, but I bit off more than I could chew this week, and I'm not going to do that again next week, okay? Um, Let's pray, and then we'll keep moving. Father God, we love you. We thank you for our time together. God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us through your son, Jesus, that you have shown us your son through your word, um, and that you are continually uh, showing yourself to us as we read and study your word together and individually. God, I pray for each and every one of us in this room. Uh, Lord, we get lazy. We do. And... um, We start living our lives differently than being set apart for you. Uh, And usually what we do is we we change our doctrine so that it fits our lives. Um, But God, that's, that's not the way that you have set it up for us. God, we need to make sure that we understand your word well because what we believe determines our behavior. And as you spoke to us through Peter here, Uh, you desire for us to be set apart and to be living holy lives. Why? Because you are holy. And you have called us to be like your son Jesus who is holy and was holy. God, we thank you for this time together. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to work in each and every one of our hearts as we leave here today and go out uh, into the workplace tomorrow, into the world God, I pray for each of us, um, especially our brothers and sisters in Swahitle right now, where we're getting closer to the holiday season, the weather is nicer, um, and this presents danger, Lord. And so, uh, even for Brother Vusani who was attacked this week, uh, God, I pray that you will be watching over your flock, and that for each of us Um, that you will be helping us to protect one another and keep each other safe. God, we love you. And we pray all of this through the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. And remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.